Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Celebrate. If you're a guest here today, my name's Tim, and I am just so incredibly honored that Pastor Keith gave me the opportunity to open up God's Word with you today. And I am just so excited as we continue on with our series called A Winning Game Plan. I'll tell you, as you guys watched that video a second ago and watched those moments from great sports movies and moments of coaches getting their teams fired up, did any of you kind of get a little bit excited? Anybody? Just kind of just, oh, let's go. I remember a moment when I was in fourth grade. I had a recreational basketball team. Now, this is rec league fourth grade basketball. No one cares about it normally, right, in the grand scheme of things. My dad was coaching my team, though, so he did. And he was going back and forth to China at the time. My dad was doing some different business trips and whatnot. And so he happened to be going to the the city in China where a lot of our textiles, a lot of our clothing was being made at the time. So the Nike factory, North Face factory, a lot of these major brands were all being made here. And what they would do over there is that they would make what they were supposed to make for the company and they would just keep making stuff. And they would sell it out the back of the factory in these markets. And so my dad went there and came back with a body bag just full of gear for our team. And so my team had matching Nike warm-ups. Like, I mean, they looked incredible. We're all fourth graders, remember. Matching Nike warm-ups, matching Nike basketball shoes. We looked incredible. Then to top it off, he decided that we can't just go out there and go play a basketball game. We had to have our announcements, our introductions. So he brought a boombox to a little stadium and he did introductions for us. Like now, standing at three feet, five inches tall, weighing 40 pounds, soaking wet. And then to top it off, he took that same boombox and he played warm-up music for us. So we're out there jamming, doing our layups like we're in the pros or something. Like it is incredible. All the things you've ever seen the pros or college teams have growing up, I have it in the fourth grade. It's incredible, and I'm so fired up. And you know how much better I played because of that? Because of how I looked and how fired up I was? Do you know how much better I was? Not at all. all. I mean, I sucked. (laughs) I was terrible. The only thing good about me in basketball is that I was the tallest kid out there. That's it. I can't jump, do anything. I think the same applies to us, though, in life. I mean, here's a reality. No matter how fired up we get only thing that's going to come out is what's already inside of us. No matter how fired up and pumped I get right now, unless I have a trampoline, I'm not going to dunk a basketball or do a backflip. And and spiritually, it's the same as well. No matter how fired up I get at church, no matter how much I say, yeah, this is the moment I'm going to do this, my character, how much I follow and look like Jesus is going to determine what I'm able to do. Yet, so often it's interesting We come to church and I think we kind of want it to look like that video we just watched. We want the pastor to look like that with these great moments where he says, you can do it. You're going to get your victory. You're awesome. But the problem I found in my life is that unless I'm actually living it out, unless there's character inside of me that's growing, I'm not going to be able to do anything with it. You know, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 26, it says this. Remember that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. 
You must run in such a way that you will win. Run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. You know, last week, Pastor Reed said that success is built on two things, our thinking and our systems. I want to read the, verse that, or the verses that he read last week from Ephesians chapter 4. You're welcome to join me in your Bibles. I'm going to start in the 11th verse, Ephesians chapter 4. It says, now these are the gifts of Christ that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about, about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, we just read this, that the, the pastor's job is to equip the people to go out and do God's work, to do the work of the ministry. And we said this last week. If you were here last week, quick review. Who are the ministers? Who's the most important person on the weekend? Way to go, guys. You were paying attention. You're awesome. I want to point out two verses that we just read, verses 13 and 15. I'm going to put them up on the screen. Verse 13 said, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we'll be mature. If you're, if you're circling things today, circle the word mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Instead, this is verse 15 now, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. See, last week, we talked about what it looks like as a team. What does our system look like as a, as a team from that standpoint? But as we look today, I want to look at how do we do this as individuals? How do we be the kind of people who can go out and be ministers in the community, who live the kind of lives who have an effect on everyone around them? And so I want to point out two things from what we just read. First of all, verse 13 said what? That we're supposed to grow in maturity. Turn to someone right now and say, grow up. The second thing in verse 15 tells us that we're supposed to look more and more like Christ. So I, I want to ask us today, how many of you want to grow in maturity and look a little more like Christ? Man, I know I do. So today we're going to take a look at this. We're going to take a look at three principles, three chains, three links in a chain that are going to start a chain reaction in our life. And so I, I want to talk about these three today, but before I do... I want to encourage you on something. We talked a second ago, the pastor's job is to equip us. And I just want to encourage you that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are equipped to do something in each and every one of these areas today. So our first one today is this. Our first link in our chain is do what's right. Do what's right. 2 Timothy 2.5 says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You know, when I was playing basketball in the first grade, 
there was this moment where one of my teammates turned and he scored on his own basket, scored for the other team. And it was really funny. But as you get older, stuff like that is less and less funny. And the same applies spiritually. Jesus said that if you love me, you'll keep my commands. 2 Timothy 2.22 tells us, run from anything that gives you evil thoughts, but stay close to anything that makes you want to do right. See, we live in a culture today that idolizes, oftentimes, idolizes winning over doing what's right. Let's look at sports for an example. I mean, we can forget all about someone's sexual assault from last year if they're making our team win this year. So often we, we think that winning in the short term is the biggest prize, but hear this for a second. You can win the game. You can win the race, you can win the short term and still be a loser. You can get everything that you think that you want and still lose at life. You know, I want to share a story about someone named Ben. Ben was a guy who, Ben Johnson was his name, Canadian track star, 1980s. In the early 80s, he did pretty good. He got some silvers and, and got some bronze medals. But then all of a sudden, towards the late 80s, something incredible started to happen. He set a world record. He got a gold medal in 1988. Life was looking pretty good for Ben. But then right after the 1988 Olympics, a test came out, and it turned out that he'd been on steroids. Turns out that a little bit before, he had an aggravated hamstring, and so they went and decided to mix like 10 different drugs together that were okay with some steroids, thinking that if they mixed all this stuff together, that there's no way that it would get detected and they wouldn't get caught. Well, the thing is that Ben did get caught, and that's what's so interesting about that story is because I think we do that a lot in our life too. We have this idea that, man, I'll just pay today and forget about tomorrow, this steroidal living that I'll do whatever it takes to win right now, and hopefully no one will find out. Maybe if I mix my sin in with enough other good things, no one will be able to detect it. I know what God says about sex before marriage. I know what God says about how I should treat people. I know what God says about how I should be honest in all things, but just a little bit of cheating on my taxes. But we love each other so much, but I just don't feel like doing this today. But the problem is, no matter how much we mix things together and think that other people won't be able to detect it, God always can. And the thing is, there's always a cost. The costs are always high. The costs were really high for Ben. And he lost his gold medal, his world record. He lost five to six million dollars in sponsorships. This is in 1988. He lost a ton of things. And here's the reality. The, the cost of sin is always incredibly high. But the cost of doing what's right, or doing what's right always pays us in full in the end. But Here's the kicker. Here's the whole entire reason I share this story of a sprinter from the 80s. It's because a young student did a survey. They went to the athletes that were at this Olympics, the 1988 Olympics, and they asked them a question. This is after the fact, after everything has come out, and they asked them this question. If you could take a steroid and you could be guaranteed that you wouldn't get caught and that you would win the gold medal... The only side effect is you're going to die within five years from the effects of the steroid. Would you do it? Over 50% said absolutely they would. 
See, that's a short-sighted view of winning. Here's a view I like a little better. Winning is not a result. Winning is not a result. It's a mindset while you're in the process. See, winning is about longer-term results than right now. I'd rather hear well done for eternity, for my good, for, well done my good and faithful servant for eternity than hear well done on an Olympic podium for five minutes. See, for me, my mindset is that this isn't my home. So I'm going to do what's right because I'm living for something more than what's right in front of me. But I think so often in our life, when we think about doing what's right, we think about it in a sense of one big moment. You know, one big swing of the hammer, one big thing that happens in our life, the big moment that everybody remembers. But here's the thing. So often we look at that and we think of it kind of in terms of our culture. And the thing is our culture today, I like to call it the lottery culture. This idea that someday my number's gonna get drawn. Someday my ticket's gonna come in. My ticket's gonna get punched. Uh, my home run's gonna go over the fence. My ship's gonna come in. I'm gonna get my big break, my big breakthrough. But here's the thing. Breakthroughs don't come in our life from one big swing of a big hammer. Big breakthroughs come from little hits of a hammer doing what's right over and over and over and over and over and over again. If you want to see a breakthrough in your addiction, you're not going to get it because you woke up today, looked in the mirror, got fired up and said, this is it. This is the moment. You're going to see a breakthrough in your addiction because you did the right things over and over and over again. Because you go to celebrate recovery, because you get a sponsor and you're actually honest with that sponsor and you get some phone numbers and you start living out the steps each and every day and you start living out the serenity prayer, understanding that you need to take one moment at a time, one day at a time, knowing if I surrender to his will, he'll make all things right. That's how it works. That's how you get a breakthrough. You get a breakthrough in your marriage not because you had this big romantic moment of, oh, I love you so much. We're going to fix everything in our marriage. Woo, I love you. <laughs> Those are great. But actually, it comes from doing the right thing over and over and over again. For me, it takes waking up and understanding that I need to lay down my life for my wife like Christ loved the church. Understanding that I need to keep growing and reading books and praying for my spouse and keeping my relationship with God 100% so I can get, love her 100%. In your finances, in any area of your life, whatever it looks like, your breakthrough, your change comes from doing the right thing over and over. In your personal relationship with Jesus, it comes from doing the right thing over and over again. It comes from tithing. It comes from reading your word. It comes from spending time with God. It comes from understanding how God wants you to treat people and living that out time and time and time again. But see, as we start to do this in our life, I said a second ago that each of these are links in a chain. And so uh, these are going to start to come together in our life with other points. And it's going to start to make something in our life that starts a chain reaction. But I don't know if you saw this, but man, this is a pretty nice chain piece I got here. I mean, it's metal. It's solid. It's rated to hold like two or three times my body weight, which isn't that much. But still, you know, 
It's solid, right? Thank you. You got the point. I also have some baby toys. My son loves these. Oh, these are great. I mean, he, he immediately put it in his mouth when I gave it to him, which is like his number one compliment. So the thing is, though, I mean, these are links as well, but I don't really want to use these for anything. I mean, they're great for my son, but as someone who's grown up, who's not really a baby anymore, who's matured a little bit, I'm not going to be able to do something with this. It's plastic. I mean, for most of the things I want to do, it involves, you know, pulling things or holding something down. I want something solid that's durable that I could actually use. And in the same way in my life, I don't want to be plastic when it comes to doing what's right. I don't want an area of my life where there's something that just isn't going to be strong enough to hold up. And so for each of us today, as we're looking at this, how many say, man, there's an area of my life, I can do what's right better in an area of my life. Is anybody with me in that? Man, that's awesome. Well, that brings me to my second point. It's this. I'm going to do my best. You're going to do your, or do the best you can. Do the best you can. See, here's the thing. So often today, we, we live in a culture where we don't want to do our best. We want to be the best. We want to be the man. We want to be the guy everybody loves. Man, he's awesome. You know what the problem with that is, though? When I try to be the best, I'm relying on other people's opinions. I mean, isn't that right? At some point, someone has to say he's the best. Someone has to vote me MVP. Someone has to give me the trophy. And the problem is, if I live by what other people think and say of me, I'm going to die when they reject me. So what happens then? We see it all the time when we set out to be the best and it doesn't actually happen. We see pain and hurt and disillusionment. And the problem with trying to be the best is that there's always somebody better there's already someone else coming up the pipe. Take Michael Jordan, for an instance, right? Everybody knows him as one of the greatest basketball players of all time. There's an entire generation of people coming after me who have no idea who he is. And I'll be honest, I've only seen him play in Space Jams. So, I mean, <laughs> the reality is, even when you're the best, there's always someone else that's coming up after you. There's always a new hero on the block. 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us this, Work hard so God can say to you, Well done. Be a good workman, one who does not need to be ashamed when God examines your work. See, I'll tell you something. You can tell a lot about how my life's going. You can tell a lot about how I'm doing with being the best versus trying to do my best by one thing. Whose approval am I trying to get? Man, whose approval do I want the most in my life? I like what 1 Corinthians 9.25 says. It says, to win the contest, you must deny yourself many things that would keep you from doing your best. There's a guy by the name of Nick Vujicic that I love. He's an evangelist. He's a speaker. He's been in his own movie. He's a world-renowned author. He's done a lot of really, really cool things. But see, Nick was born without any arms or any legs. 
He was actually to a point where his mom wouldn't even hold him for the first few months of his life because she felt like he was kind of a mistake. Nick even felt like that sometimes. There were so many moments in his life where he just said, man, God, why can't I just be like everybody else? But it's amazing if you know much about Nick's story, Nick can speak in a way that no one else can. Nick can reach people and change people's lives that a lot of other people can't. He's doing the best he can with who he is. And in the same way, God wants to use you with the talents and gifts that you have, not what somebody else has. God doesn't need another Michael Jordan. He needs a you. Dean Ritter said this. If I can find it. (laughs) God measures success one heart at a time. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So today I want to encourage you in this. Do your best. Be you, or more specifically, be the you that God's called you to be. Because God has purposes and plans and ways that he wants to use you. But I don't know, maybe you're someone who looks at that and you say, you know, I don't really like me. I don't want to be me because did you know what I did last night? Do you know all the ways I've messed up? All the ways I just have made so many dumb mistakes, stuff that Christians aren't supposed to make. You know, last Sunday I was watching the Chiefs game. Big Chiefs fan, grew up in Kansas. There was a crazy moment. Somebody said, Skull, my goodness. <laughs> you know, there's this crazy moment though. They got down 21 to nothing in the first quarter. And then turn around in the second quarter, they were down 24 to nothing. Nothing was going right for the Chiefs. Crazy, stupid mistakes that aren't supposed to happen were happening the entire first half for a while. It was crazy. I mean, passes were getting dropped. The ball was shot through a punt returner like he just took X-lax. I mean, it just whoop, just flew out. (laughs) But then all of a sudden, something flipped. In the second quarter, something just flipped, and they turned around, and by halftime, by the end of the second quarter, they were down 24 to nothing. They were actually leading by four points. It was crazy. If you watch the Kansas City's coach, the entire time he's never freaking out, he's never yelling, he's never getting mad, he's just constantly coaching. And he was asked, what did you say to your team when they were just making mistake after mistake and doing dumb thing after dumb thing that just didn't make any sense? What did you say? He said, I said, this isn't you. You're not playing like the you that I know how you know how to play. Go out there and be you. And maybe you're someone here today who feel like you can keep making these mistakes. Maybe it's time for you to be the you that God's called you to be. Maybe you're busy trying to be someone else. Maybe you're busy trying to be the best instead of being God's best for you. Maybe you just need to start a relationship with Jesus and have your identity be in him as a son or daughter of him. Maybe it's time for that to change in your life. See, the reality is this, that God has something great for you today. But here's the deal. God's given you these talents and abilities, but I want to encourage you on something. You don't have to be great to do great. You don't have to be great to do great because you and I serve a God who is great. I don't know about you, but 
I don't know if any of y'all had parents, but I had a couple. <laughs> and I'll tell you two things about my parents that might just shock you. First of all, this is going to, hold on to your seat. My parents were not professional models. And I know looking at me, you're like, how could that possibly be? But it's true. I, I promise. I promise. Second, my parents weren't perfect. My parents weren't perfect, but they pointed me to the one who is perfect. I got to see my parents mess up. I got to see my parents make mistakes. That's what I learned the best in looking back. I got to see what it looks like for an actual godly person to come before God and repent and change instead of trying to cover it up or mask it. And I'll tell you something, if you're a parent here today, can I encourage you, if you want to raise godly kids, you don't have to be perfect. Just keep pointing to the one who is perfect. Man, if you're someone here today and God's calling you to lead a life group, man, you don't have to be a rock star to lead a life group. You just got to love people. You just got to open up your home or open up a coffee shop, sit down and maybe serve some cheap cookies, walk through a lesson and love people. And maybe God's calling you to do that in this next series that we're starting, Happily Ever After. Can I encourage you? Don't leave today without signing up. If God's calling you to that, we'd love to have you. You don't have to be the best to greet people here at church. You just got to love people. Man, you don't have to be the most incredible to serve with kids or mentor a child at Terry Redland. They let me do it. And I'll tell you what, they still have 30 kids that need a mentor over there. They'd love to have you. Man, you don't have to be a rocket surgeon to invite someone to church or tell them about Jesus. Man, you and I, no matter who we are or where we're at, can do that. See, today you have 24 hours to be the best you that you can be. To be the you that God's calling you to be. But here's the reality. When you're not, though, when you're not who God's called you to be, when you're not doing your best, when maybe you're not living in that, or maybe you're just at a moment where you're trying to be someone else, or you just want to be the best, you're plastic. You're cheap. You're fake. You're weak. But when we come together like this, and we be who God's calling us to be, something amazing starts to happen. So today... How many of you can be your best and do your best that God's calling you to be today in the area of your life? Anybody like me? That's awesome. Well, the third thing we're going to do is this. We're going to do unto others as we want them to do unto us. We're going to do unto others as we want them to do unto us. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 12. Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law and the prophets. In John 13, 34, he says, For now I'm giving you this new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. See, it's out of Christ's love that we love others. One of my favorite groups of ministries here at Celebrate is our care ministries. I love them because they're led by people, first of all, by volunteers, and that's incredible to see. But also, they're led by people who have been affected by God's love. We got people in divorce care that have had God's healing and hope through divorce. We've had people in grief share that have had God's hope and healing and love through the loss of a loved one. We've got people in CR that have gone through God, life's hurts, habits, and hangups and experienced God's love changing their life. And in the same way, when we let God's love change us, all of a sudden it causes us to go and love other people. It's incredible. Yeah. 
That's the only way to truly love people. Here's a reality, though. We just said it a little bit ago that we're all part of one body. We're all part of one body. And the, the thing is, when I love others, I love myself. Here's the thing. When I take care of my heart, it affects the rest of my body. Peter DeVries says this, we're not primarily put on this earth to see through one another, but to see one another through. Now, I, I think we all kind of know what this looks like. I think the reality is that Jesus said it so simply so we'd get it. I mean, love people like I want to be loved. Treat people like I want to be treated. Be the person at work that I want to work with. Be the person to my family that I want to have in my family. So how do we apply this? I mean, how do we apply this to our life? But how do we do this in the real way? I mean, it's so easy to be fake with people. It's so easy to try to do it in our own way. But I want to ask today, how many say, man, in an area of my life I commit right now, I can change a little bit. I can do better at loving other people the way I want to be loved, treating other people the way I want to be treated, being the kind of person my waiter or waitress wants to wait on today. How many say, man, I can do that today? Man, thank you. I'm glad I'm not alone. That's awesome. I want to invite the team to the stage. Now, you see here, we kind of made a chain. And it's crazy what happens in our life when we do this, when we actually start to do what's right, when we start to actually be the person that God's called us to be. We do our best. When we have this moment where we actually do unto others, we love other people the way that we, out of the love that God's given to us, we do unto others as we want to have done unto us. We start to live out the golden rule in our life. Something incredible starts to happen. First of all, we get to see life change. That's amazing. We get to see God changing us. The more he starts to work in us, and all of a sudden we start seeing our families change. We start seeing our marriages change. We start seeing our lives change, and that's incredible. But here's what's really cool. Every time that God does a life change in you, eventually he's going to try to do a life change through you. Anytime that God does a life change in you, eventually he's going to try to do a life change through you. Meaning this, when we're living these things out, when the people of Celebrate are known as these people who go out and do the right things, that go out and do the best that they can, who go and, and do unto others as they want to have done unto them, suddenly people are starting to get reached for Jesus. People are starting to get a divine curiosity of why the people with the orange C bumper stickers on the back of their car are just nicer than everybody else. Suddenly people start to come to know Jesus. It's incredible what starts to happen. Man, and we get to see lives getting changed. But here's something really cool. You're not alone in that. You're not alone in that at all. Matter of fact, you've got people here right here at this church who want to be a part of that with you. I got some friends up here that are going to help me out with this. See, when I start to link up with other people who are doing what's right, who are being the best that God's called them to be, who are doing it others as they want to have done to them, who are connecting to others, to others, to others, something amazing starts to happen. We form a chain. And I'll tell you something kind of cool about chains this time of year. What do we use chains for here in South Dakota this time of year? To tow cars out that are stuck and stranded. And I'll tell you something, all over this city, Every day as we go around, there's people spiritually that are stuck and stranded. 
There's people that need to get pulled out, that need a, a body of believing people that can walk with them and point them back to Jesus, can point them to the one that can change their entire life. And so when we start to live this out and we start to actually do what's right and we start to do the best that we can, understanding God's purpose and plans and the talents and gifts that he's given us, when we start to do unto others as he wants to do unto us, or we, we should do unto others, all of a sudden life change starts to happen in other people. But here's the problem. What, what if I don't want to? I mean, listen, here's the thing. I... I know I'm supposed to treat other people well. I mean, I know I'm supposed to, to love them the way that Christ loved me and all that stuff, but you know, I'm busy and people are stupid and I just, I just wanna yell at them, okay? And, and, and the thing is, I know that I'm supposed to do what's right in every area of my life, but the, the, the problem is, I, who are you to judge me? I mean, come on, only God can judge me. It's just a little bit of this, or a little bit of porn, it's a little bit of addiction. I mean, I mean you know, I, I just like being the best. I just like being the best because I just love the trophies and you don't know what my life was like growing up. It just feels so nice to be loved and have people tell me that I'm awesome and amazing. And now all of a sudden, what's happened to our chain? I mean, does anybody wanna tow anything with this? Can you actually do anything with, I mean, what happens if, we, oh my gosh, guys, you broke my chain. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy what happens when we <laughs> We let something that's plastic and fake into our relationship. Because you see what happened there is the whole chain got affected. Everything in your life, public or private, affects the rest of the chain. So if you're a believer here at Celebrate who says, I'm on the team, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the ministers, I'm, I'm, this is my church, this is where I'm not just sitting in the stands, but I'm on the field. Everything that I do affects you and, and vice versa. I mean, imagine this for a second. Imagine that you're at work and there's this gal that you know who's just got a ton of brokenness in her life. Man, broken marriage, addictions, all kinds of things going on. And finally the day comes where you get to have the conversation with her. And you get to ask her the question, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And you get to tell her about this God that desperately loves her, about this God that wants to have a relationship with her and what he's done in your life. And she says, I want that. And you say, great. And you get to start the relationship and you get to pray with her right there and she gets to accept Jesus. It's amazing. Isn't that, wouldn't that be incredible? Would you love to see that in your church? That's great. But imagine this. Imagine then you said, well, you should come to church with me. Come to celebrate. So she comes with you. She walks in the doors and she, see, she sees me on stage. <laughs> Not for that reason. Oh, you haven't got to the punchline yet. <laughs> and she says, what's Tim doing on stage? And you say, well, she's a pa he's a pastor here. Well, I didn't know he was a pastor. How do you know Tim? Well, I've been having an affair with him for the last three years. Now, does that kind of undo some things that you just did? I mean, that kind of affects what just happened, didn't it? You see, the thing is, I refuse to let anything plastic and fake into my life to stay there. Anything that's not what God designed and intended. Because I know it doesn't just affect me. It affects every single one of you. Every single thing that God's doing through you. Because if we're not the only ones that are ministers, if you guys are the ministers and going out and doing things, I don't want to do anything that would trip up what God's going to do through you. 
And the same goes for each and every one of you and to the, in relation to those who are sitting next to you right now. Your life matters. The links in your life as they come together, they matter. Your integrity matters. Doing what's right matters. Doing your best as God has called you to be matters. Going out and how you treat other people matters. Now, this isn't a message to walk around in fear. It's not like I'm walking around constantly going, oh no, I'm gonna mess up. I mess up all the time. I'm an idiot. Ask anyone who knows me. I do tons of dumb things. I, I mess up tons of times, but there's a difference between messing up and living in that mess. There's a difference between saying, God, I got something that's wrong here. I need your help. I need accountability. I need somebody to walk with me through this and saying, I'll just cover it up. I'll just hide it. Eh, I'll just won't be like that at church. So today I just wanna ask us, how are we doing? As you look at these areas of your life, when it comes to doing what's right, doing your best, doing unto others, treating people with love, how are you doing? I mean, you're, you're the only person that can really know today. See, here in a moment, we're gonna have a time of prayer, then we're gonna worship. And as we worship, this is the time where we just get to sing out to God, bring all these things that maybe no one else knows about and say, God, I just, I wanna look more like you. I wanna grow in maturity. I wanna look more like Jesus today. And you know, we're actually gonna have some people, as I'm praying, there's gonna be some folks that are gonna be coming up here from our prayer team. And they're gonna be here to pray with you. Maybe it's time that you bring some stuff forward and you come before and agree with someone in prayer and say, God, I want life change in my life. Maybe you're someone who says, man, I've never even started a relationship with Jesus. How do I do that? Come on up. We'd love to do that with you as well. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for the fact that you love us. You love us right where we're at. But God, you love us too much to leave us there. So you're constantly giving us these opportunities where we can grow, these opportunities where we can look more and more like you. And God, I pray right now that you'd shape us and mold us to look more and more like your son. God, for each of us today, I pray that people would walk out of here, maybe with a little bit of confidence for the first time in a long time, knowing that they're a part of something. Their life matters. They are the ministers. They have ways that you're trying to work in them. And so God, I pray you would give some of them confidence today. But for any of us who need conviction as well, God, we thank you for that. We know you're not a God of guilt, but you're a God of conviction. Conviction leads to life change. And so we pray for that right now. We thank you for that. Thank you for what you're gonna do in our hearts. Thank you for continuing to shape us and mold us, Father. And God, if there's anyone in this place today who doesn't know you yet, God, I pray that you'd prompt in their heart right now and they'd come forward so they can meet you, God. You are so awesome, incredible, and amazing, God. And all together, we praise your name and say amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.